Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. We all have a voice in our head. Sometimes it just offers a running commentary on the events around us, like, gee, that's a cute dog. Other times it tosses some random weird thoughts into our stream of consciousness for no apparent reason, like, hmm, how would I escape an angry bear in the woods? And then there are moments when we engage in dialogue with our voice, like, come on, you can do this, but what if I screw it up? Don't be silly, you've played it dozens of times before. Yeah, but... This voice is harmless enough most of the time until it comes to something that is really important to us. Both in the practice room and on stage, the voice can quickly turn to the dark side and become a real negative influence. Where the voice is not just critical, but discouraging, blaming, and plain old mean, to the point where it can impact our emotional state and sabotage performances. Of course, it's not like this for everyone. Some folks have voices that are more compassionate, supportive, and encouraging which can help to facilitate motivation and performance. So where does this voice come from anyway? Is it something we're born with? Or is it something that's learned and can be influenced by others around us? When you think about it, great teachers aren't just these walking, talking Wikipedias of knowledge, but effective change agents as well. We know from experience that the right teacher can help create all sorts of behavioral changes, from the technical aspects of how we approach and play our instruments to how we do score study or structure our practice time. But does their influence go deeper than this? Is it possible that teachers can have an impact on our cognitive processes as well? Studies of coaches and athletes have indeed found that coaches' actions can influence athletes' self-esteem, confidence, and cognitive anxiety, like the worries, doubts, and fear of mistakes that we can sometimes experience. In a 2010 study of 112 regional national, and international-level wrestlers, participants were asked to rate their coaches' behaviors and their own self-talk during their latest competition. Using a pair of questionnaires, the researchers measured the positivity and supportiveness as well as the negativity of both the coach's behavior and the athlete's inner dialogue. And was there, in fact, any relationship between the two? Well, as you might expect, coaches' supportiveness was associated with greater positive self-talk and less negative self-talk in the athletes. 
especially in the areas of confidence, as in, I can do this, and anxiety control, as in, it's okay, keep calm. Similarly, coaches' negative coaching behaviors, where they said or did things that demonstrated a lack of confidence in the athlete's abilities, were related to more negative self-talk and less positive self-talk in the athletes, particularly in the areas of disengagement, as in, I want to quit, and fatigue, as in, I am tired. The researchers then did a follow-up study of beginning tennis players to see if exposing them to either positive or negative coaching behaviors could change the positivity or negativity of an individual's inner dialogue. And the results suggest that yes, what we say to our students can indeed change what they say to themselves. When exposed to positive coaching behaviors, like, good shot, keep it up, participants worried less about messing up. When exposed to negative coaching behaviors, like, that's a bad shot, or you don't follow my instructions, the participants' self-talk began moving in the direction of this feedback, and their use of positive confidence-building self-talk decreased. Self-talk is not the only variable that influences performance, of course, and coaching and teaching behavior is not the only factor that affects the voice in our head. But how cool is it that the things we say to our students can impact the thoughts that go through their heads? It's often difficult to know just how much of an impact we've had on a student until many years later, but for me, this study was a nice reminder that beyond all of the knowledge and wisdom we might share with our students, the way in which we offer feedback and advice and the behaviors we exhibit in lessons, rehearsals, and performances can be a much deeper part of who they grow to be as musicians, professionals, and people than we might realize at the time. One more thing before we wrap up for today. I don't know about you, but when I was a student, practicing was something I never really enjoyed and felt a lot of resistance towards. Likewise, I would use every excuse in the book to avoid recording and listening back to myself. And nerves and inconsistent hit or miss performances and auditions were pretty much the norm. In hindsight, I feel kind of bad for my teachers, because as frustrating as this was for me, I'm sure working with me caused a hair or two or dozen to turn gray over the years. Looking back, I often wonder if my experience might have been different if I'd been able to use the many tools that have emerged in performance science research over the last couple decades. From deliberate practice, self-regulated learning strategies, interleaved and variable practice, to strategies for managing nerves based on a more nuanced, multi-dimensional understanding of performance anxiety, to attention control strategies for getting and staying in the zone in performance. If adding a few new tools to your teaching toolbox while connecting with a community of thoughtful, curious, like-minded educators to chat about how exactly to make these tools work for students at all ages and levels ability sounds like it'd be a really helpful thing right about now, you may be interested in the upcoming series of workshops I'm running in February and March, specifically February 3rd, 10th, 17th, and March 3rd and 10th. In addition to live Zoom sessions, where I'll walk you through exactly how I present effective practice skills and strategies for managing nerves and getting into the zone to students in my own classes, there will be worksheets and activities that you can steal, small and large group mastermind sessions, Q&As, and perhaps a few random cat videos, all spread out in a manageable sort of way so it doesn't get too overwhelming. Teachers who have participated in this workshop series have reported seeing some really gratifying and sometimes really moving changes in students. So if you're a tiny bit intrigued, you can see what they're saying and get all the details at bulletproofmusician.com educators. Registration actually opens today, January 23rd, and runs through Sunday, January 30th at midnight. 